Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. Thank you so much for listening today. It's just going to be Tara and I today. Yes, and Cassidy, I want to thank you for coming on today because I know that you are fighting off the great cold of 2019, which has felled a lot of people. Um, you poor thing. How many how many boxes of Kleenexes have you been through lately? I like gave up on Kleenexes because I didn't want to go to the store, so I've just been rolling using rolls of toilet paper, <laughs> like a trash human. It's fine. I, it's cheaper. I know, but like the days, like you know, I remember when my kids would get sick and they would just like each walk around with like a roll of toilet paper under their arm and like blowing their noses. Well, I'm that's so my current sorry. house. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you're sick, and I hope you feel better soon. Um, although I have to say that your sickness has inspired today's icebreaker. So I don't know about like silver lining. I feel really bad saying that there's a silver lining here, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll take any silver lining I can get. Oh, <laughs> you poor thing. Well, we'll talk it out and then hopefully you'll start being on the men tomorrow. But so my the icebreaker question I have is if you could be visited by any trailblazer while you're sick, somebody to come hang out with you while you're sick. Who would you choose to for that to be? Oh, my goodness. So I thought a lot about this in my last days of sickdom. <laughs> You're delirious. And, um, my, my absolute delirious state. And um, I've done a lot of Instagram looking at all of the blazers, you know, getting myself up to snuff. And I must say, I'm going to go with a wild card here for me. I'm going to go with Anthony Tolliver because I feel like he takes such good like, I feel like he's such a good family person, and I feel like he'd be the kind of person who'd be like, you want soup? Where do you want soup from? And I'd be like, I want ramen from this obscure place. And he would drive there, and he would get it for me, and I'd be so thankful. So I'm going to go with Anthony Tolliver, although in the words of my husband, CJ McCollum looks like he's someone who could take care of you. So who knows? Um. <laughs> yeah, I think Tolliver has, like, four kids, so I'm sure that he's been up to his elbows in um... – uh, like dirty tissue <laughs> before. Yeah, I feel like he's got the experience. I'll go with it. Yeah. How about you, Tara? So I um, am going to also go with a wild card because it's somebody that I really don't 
uh, know much about, but I think Kent Bazemore would just be a really nice person to hang out with if I was sick. I know that he has an anu- annual Uno tournament, so he likes to play Uno, so we could, like, hang out and play Uno. He just, like, seems to, like, sort of have a really nice way about him, and I feel like we could sit there and watch TV, play Uno, and if I needed to fall asleep, that would be cool. It just seems like, you know, like, I wouldn't want to waste Damian Lillard's time, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like he's got way more important things to do. And I'm sure that Kent Bazemore also has very important things to do. But it seems to me that like he would be totally be willing to just like swing by for an hour and hang out. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) So I like um, that pick. Our listeners should go ahead and tell us who they think they would want to hang out with if they were sick. And this, of course, also um, totally we promise that we won't get any of the Blazers sick if they come over and hang out with us. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, we would definitely, like, you know, have them, like, on the other side of a window or something so that that there's no way that they are going to catch anything because that would be the worst thing in the whole world is if we got a Blazer sick. We're not risking that. No. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to say we've got a bunch of fun things to talk about, including – I know you went on a little trip, but before you went on your trip, we got a chance to experience a game in the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Yeah. How did you like that? I loved it. It was such an experience. I forget how much smaller that arena is and just how much closer it is together. And, oh, man, the vintage gear. People... People brought out their best for that game, and it was fantastic. How about you? Yeah, including the coaches. The coaches, yes. the coaches in their leisure suits or whatever you want to call those were amazing. It was. I thought the Blazers just did a really great job of creating a fun atmosphere. They they just have, over the last couple of years, developed this like good, clean, wholesome family fun, you know, and – it's like it kind of goes all the way through, like with their uh, their social media accounts. I love how every once in a while they'll put out like, you know, wholesome fun for your timeline. And it'll just be like, you know, some cute thing of them like playing with puppies or something. Yeah. And I just I love that sort of friendly kind of cheeky or kind of campy and cheesy family atmosphere. But I felt like they really nailed that at the Memorial Coliseum. Having the original number one uh the the original season ticket holder there having that couple who met in the memorial coliseum and got married and have been married for 38 years like so cute all that stuff was just it was just so cute and wholesome and it it was was just fun to be a part of it although it was really funny when my so you you sat pretty far down in the lower bowl is that right Mm -hmm. yeah we were pretty far down we uh we sprung for tickets (laughs) (laughs) were you able to like hear the court or like catch anything up close somewhat we were like four rows behind neil o'shea oh so that was interesting because there was someone sitting in front of o'shea who was just really over the top and it was funny to like witness Someone like being like a crazy fan sitting in front of him. Um, It was just entertaining. Uh, But his family was clearly having a really good time, too. So that was that was fun to see. Um, Neat. Well, we were sitting up a lot higher than that. And one of the things that struck me was like the staircases are a lot longer in the Coliseum. I don't. I don't know how that works like mathematically or whatever, because I didn't I wasn't sitting up nearly as high as I usually sit, but I sure felt like I went up a whole bunch of stairs Um, and the stairs were like 
really, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe more people didn't get hurt going up and down these stairs because they were slick and they were like short. They were kind of like mm-hmm. a weird, like, you know, height. Um, mm-hmm. And like when we went and sat down, the guy next to my husband was like, sure makes you appreciate the moda, doesn't it? (laughs) And I get that. I mean, it was interesting because it was a fun night of nostalgia, but really, like, we have gotten used to a lot of the nicer amenities of the Moda Center, like, multiple entrances. I heard a lot of people were stuck trying to get in. Um, So, you know, it's nice that we have a little bit easier way to get in. Mm -hmm. um, Like... The bathrooms were, had, like, kind of this low-hanging stuff over where you wash your hands. And I'm not tall, but, like, if you were tall or whatever, like, <laughs> were people, like, hitting their heads on the uh, on the overhang? And I don't know. It was – I thought that guy put it well. It does make you appreciate some of the things about the Moda Center that I think we've started to uh, take for granted over the last yeah, few years. Absolutely. And it was super fun to see uh, – the generations. So like clearly people who went to games as a kid at the Moda Center bringing their kid and like the grandparents, there was a few of those in our section and it was just really sweet to see like three generations of Blazer fans or more just sitting together. So Tara, I know you also got to do another fun and exciting thing and that was heading down to LA and taking a trip to the Staples Center. How was that? I went into the belly of the beast. <laughs> so going from the the small, more intimate Memorial Coliseum to the Staples Center in L.A. was like the most wild study of contrast that I've really experienced for a while. So I went down to L.A. with a friend of mine, and it just so happened that there was a Clippers game that weekend, and it was super cheap because they were playing like Melbourne. So like the tickets mm-hmm. were like $10. And I thought there's no other chance that I'm going to be able to get into the Staples Center for that little money because <laughs> yeah. I'd never be able to afford to go to a Blazer game there. Um, and I just had never been inside the Staples Center. So I was like, I'm going to do it. So we went to the Staples Center. Cassidy, the inside of the Staples Center is all red and black. See, they are secretly Blazer fans, too. That made my whole day. Like, if I was a Laker fan, I would be so mad every time I walked in that. And it was like the color of a different team. I mean, I get it because I guess Staples, that must be the... Like the company, that's their colors, mm-hmm. I guess. But like the all the walls are painted like the whole, ha- you know, the, the lower part of the wall is black. The top part of the wall is red. And there are no other colors in there. And I just thought that was so, so, so funny. I wonder if that'll change when the Clippers eventually move. Well, I, yeah. I mean, you think that you think they keep it neutral? for that yeah maybe yeah because i mean i don't know i know that they switch it over in between because like they had all the clipper banners up but Mm -hmm. they didn't have any la banners up during the game the inside of the arena was gorgeous it was huge and it was like beautiful like the seats were i mean i had pretty good seats because they were super cheap and nobody was there but like it seemed like all the like there wasn't a bad seat in the house. It was really mm-hmm. cool. If I don't know, it, it felt a lot taller than the um, Moda Center. I don't know how much bigger it is, but it was super cool. And I got to watch Mo Harkless play. Oh no! It was so funny. Like I had actually completely forgotten that he uh, played on the Clippers until I heard him his name called and he went in, and then I just like totally went wild. 
And everybody looked around like, what is that lady doing? Like, why is she excited? So excited about Mo Harkless. And I was like, he need to learn the greatness that is. Well, I was like, you have to give him encouragement. (laughs) That was my (laughs) advice. I was like, if you want to have the best Mo, you have to encourage him. So like every time. So I stayed and I got to see two Mo shifts and he, um, he had one really nice cut dunk to the basket so i was very excited that i got to see that and most of the time he just kind of camped out on the three-point line and i was like oh mo i hope he's gonna be happy there i do too i mean he's you know on a pretty good path to win <laughs> everything if he stays there but you know we all watched for two years and crossed our finger or you know three years crossed our fingers held our breath that he would you know be his best self and when he mm-hmm. was his best self he was great but we saw him struggle to like tap into that you know reservoir of enthusiasm every game mm-hmm. let's say <laughs> and uh i didn't i didn't see i i don't know if this team that he's playing on if the clippers are gonna have that ability to try to motivate him like the blazers work so hard to do yeah it'll be really interesting nice so anyway, we have actually watched some Blazer basketball, and yeah. I think we should spend the next few, you know, the next little while talking about what we may have learned in the two and a half games that they've played and what we still <laughs> are wondering about. Well, I mean, the Maccabi Haifa, like, that's no you know, know. diss of Maccabi Haifa. So I should say in the three games that they've so far played. Um, what have we learned or what, what do you think, what do you feel like you've learned from watching the Blazers so far? Um, I've learned that I think this is going to be a fun team. Uh, I learned that I think my excitement to watch Nasir Little play is justified because I think he's going to be really fun to play or to watch play. And I think he's going to be really fun to watch his development. Because he just seems determined. Yeah. and Like, so determined. And are you thinking that he's pretty much going to be playing defense? You know, I want to see a little bit of both. But I, I think his defense is an exciting defense to watch. And so uh, I don't think he's going to play all that much this year. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's going to be one of those where kind of like with Zach Collins, where we've we've spent the time watching him grow each year and getting more and more uh, important to the team. I think I'm hoping that's what we get to see with uh, Nasir Little because he is super fun to watch. And this is coming from someone who's a Duke fan. So, <laughs> wow, that's that's uh, hard to say. Right. Um, <laughs> that is um, high praise as a um, Carolina guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think on the alternate end, as I've been so excited to watch Whiteside play, and I think it, we're going to see Whiteside fitting in more and more, hopefully, as time goes on. But I think it might be a little bit of a a, a learning curve. So that, what you've seen so far is that mm, it might take Whiteside a little. He's not like necessarily uh, mm-hmm. uh, getting everybody's heart rate up at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's say. also preseason. So I yeah. think – there is so much you can say about that until post preseason, but I think that there's a little bit of anytime you start playing with a n- new person, especially someone that is going to be that 
uh, important on offense. I think there's got to be some kind of a learning curve to knowing where someone's going to be at a certain time or where they like the ball thrown or things like that. So hopefully we'll see that come together. How about you? What have you learned so far? So my biggest takeaway so far is that when Mario has the ball, be ready. Because he loves dishing. Like, I feel like he's been, you know, held back for so long on his fancy Euro passes <laughs> that he's just letting them all go out. Yes. And, like, half the time they're just, like, bouncing off people's heads or they're, like, flying past him because people aren't ready. So uh, with new ball handlers, everybody needs to be ready, especially if it's Mario, because you don't know, like, which direction it's coming from or even mm-hmm. if it looks like that doesn't look like a pass. Like, okay, it is now. Mario's going. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I think he's been really fun. And also Mario's so bigger fun. than I thought he was. Like he's way bigger than I thought he was. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Like I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. He's, <laughs> when I saw him, he's kind of like thick and strong, like, mm-hmm. you know, in his upper body, he seems to have a lot of strength and the crazy, he like actually looks like super Mario when he runs. Like, the way that he, like, his gait is like, oh, my God. Like, I think a Damarang posted, like, a little um, thing of him next to Super Mario running. And I was like, oh, my God, they look exactly the same. So that was really funny. That was really fun to see. The other thing that I've learned so far is that Kemp Bazemore is bouncy and fun. And I had no idea that he was going to just be such mm-hmm. a, like, I don't know what to call him. Just like a hustle man. (laughs) Yeah. He's the energizer bunny. He really is. I mean, I call him the super ball because he's like one of those little balls and you just like bounce it once and it just keeps going. Mm -hmm. And um, I love, love, love how like if he screws up or messes something up, he like slaps his hands really hard and like just like like darn it <laughs> you know he just mm-hmm. looks like the kind of person that just goes darn it and he sla- slaps his hands and gets gets mad at himself but then he just like bounces right up okay so what i'm wondering is and i've kind of heard a few other people say this i'm wondering what you think i feel like he has a little he definitely has that undrafted kind of chip on his shoulder and like mm-hmm. i'm gonna hustle harder than everybody else and it feels a little bit like wesley matthews to me is that like blasphemous yeah. and too soon to say no, I don't think so. I think this does kind of feel like that that chip on the shoulder that I've played because he's been in the league. What this is his seventh season, yeah, he's and been he's been on, you know, a bunch of teams. I think he, he's. I mean, he was in Atlanta for a while, but I think he he wants to be in Portland, and he's made that clear through interviews, and that he's excited to be here. And I think especially at that Memorial Coliseum game, he came out there and he was like, watch me win you over. Watch me, watch me play my absolute hardest and watch me win you over because it was so fun. I am so excited to watch him play. Well, and he has uh, those long arms. Yeah. Like, and, and I was watching him the other day and I realized it's not just long arms. He also has really long legs and like, mm-hmm. he doesn't look very tall, But I was watching him run from one end to the other, and I was like, my goodness, he's fast. And I realized it's because he has, like, really long strides. And then I was like, Mm -hmm. my God, his legs are super long. And so he's got these, like, long legs and long arms. And, like, it's like he just really knows how to use them. (laughs) Well, he's also – he's one of those people – he's 6'5 in height, Mm -hmm. but his wingspan is listed as 7 feet. Well, and he got, like – 
a bunch of steals. Yeah. He had seven, I feel like I a, seven, on, a seven foot wingspan for being six five. Yeah, he's got a lot of limbs. <laughs> there, wow. There's a lot of limbs on that guy. And like if I was an opposing player, like I mean, he was just reaching around and poking things from guys over and over again. So I wonder like how long it'll be for people start planning for that or if that's just always going to be something that he's going to be able to do. I love it. But yeah, that is that was not I was not expecting him to be I just thought he was going to be kind of like a cool shooter. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't expect him to be the, like you said, the Energizer Bunny. So that, yeah, that was cool. Um, and my final thing that I've learned so far from preseason, crossing my fingers, is that Scal may actually play. Like, I know. I've been saying all summer that you know maybe he'd get the Noah Vonley treatment and get the starts, and like people have been convincing me that maybe that's not going to happen. And I kind of knew logically that that wasn't obviously the most likely scenario. But watching him play, he's skilled and he can shoot. I know. It's fun. Oh, this is going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are still some things, though, that we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about not being sure uh, about uh, Whiteside. We haven't really gotten any answers about yeah. what Whiteside is truly going to look like. I mean, it's also been kind of hard because, like um, – Dame hasn't really shown out, mm-hmm. you know, he hasn't really turned it up for a preseason, which is, I guess, um, not too surprising. CJ had a very nice scoring performance mm-hmm. the other night against, uh, was it Phoenix? Yeah. Um, but CJ, dude, free throws. Um, yeah, what's going on there? I I don't know. And it's funny because he said that on his podcast this summer. He's like, yeah, I got to start making my free throws. Like he knows that it's something. So I don't know because I'm really convinced that one of the things that he's going to do well this year is he's going to learn how to draw fouls. But if he draws fouls and he can't make his free throws, like that's not going to be the hashtag season of CJ that I was thinking. (laughs) He's shooting 42.9% from the free throw line for the preseason. I mean, that can't continue. No, that 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 cannot <laughs> i was talking to somebody today and she was saying maybe they can let cj take running three throws <laughs> maybe he needs to be moving <laughs> i sometimes think about that because i went through a phase where i shot my free throws as jump shots oh yeah because i just was better at shooting that way and i shot way better that season but i got made fun of so much that i like worked on my standing free throw <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if there's a rule like there's probably a rule against it <laughs> i don't know people should do some wild things at the free throw line i want to see someone really bring back the granny style shot so i just you know <laughs> cj's so good at shooting everything else you got to think mm-hmm. that the the free throws are going to come um yeah. but like i saw him like draw a foul just like you know the dame ones and the james mm-hmm. harden ones and i was like yes this is it and then he stepped to the line and missed both and i was like "Ooh, that's <laughs> not gonna work buddy uh yeah but i'm sure that he will turn it around mm-hmm. um, what else have we not learned yet well we've learned pretty much nothing about palgasol and what he's gonna do for the team yeah um and i don't I don't think I really expected to learn that during the preseason anyway. Uh, I think when you have someone who's that veteran, they don't really want to play those preseason games at that point. And I think pushing them to play even more may not even be a good idea. 
But I'm still intrigued on how this all is going to fit together and how much he does play. What did you think about Zach Collins not getting the start the other night? Do you think that was interesting? Um, You know, I think that you just play with lineups in the preseason. Uh, You get what you get. But I think it's an interesting concept to see if he could be coming off the bench or if he's going to be a starter. What do you think? Well, so I know that he wants to be a center, and I've always felt like if he wants to be a center, a good way for him to develop would be for him to come off the bench and first play against bench centers while he's and like, you know, have him come in and just mm-hmm. like dominate against bench centers. Uh, so and like, I'll, like I already said, you know, I've been kind of toying with the idea of what it would it look like for Scal to start at the four. Um, again, not that I think that's super possible, but, you know, Terry Stotts does some interesting things. And I just, I think that Zach could really, he's made enough strides that he could really start to dominate in the, uh, in this, in the bench unit. And I feel like he'll be playing a lot of catch up if he is starting at the four. And if he wants to play the center anyway, why, why not just let him play the center? So I don't know. I don't know if it was like a message or if it was just truly playing around with the starting lineup. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I did think it was interesting. And I'm kind of surprised that, I mean, I was out of town, so I don't know. Did people talk about it much or did it just kind of be like, okay, Stotch is just trying something new. We're moving on. Or did people talk about it very much? Um, I've been living in sick land, so I'm not sure if anyone, uh, if I, if people were talking about it, uh, but I think it's also an interesting idea that him and Anthony Tolliver have become close already and kind of a mentoring relationship. And I think it'd be interesting to watch the two of them play off the bench together. Yeah. I'm really intrigued by the choices in the second unit. Because, I mean, if Rodney Hood is going to start, then that's got then they've got Bazemore and Hazonia playing together off the bench. And that is a bouncy, bouncy, bouncy <laughs> uh, lineup, which could look super fun. Um, I will have to, mm-hmm. I will say about Zach that his sh- his mid range shot looks really nice. Yeah, it's coming quick and without any hesitation. And generally nobody's hesitating which is really nice (laughs) Mm -hmm. um they're not shooting lights out or anything but uh but i thought i thought zach looked nice on his his uh first shot today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. You know, we also have the age-old question of who's going to set screens for Damien. Actually, it's not an age-old <laughs> question. It's a brand-new question um, that is a result of all of his screen setters leaving. Um, what have you noticed on from that account? Uh, I think I'm still not exactly sure how that's going to play through, but I definitely saw there was a great pick-and-pop with um, 
Whiteside and CJ, where, you know, CJ went up, uh, Whiteside sets the screen, CJ goes out like he's going to go shoot a mid-range, goes straight into Whiteside, and Whiteside got the dunk. And then I, I think... If Whiteside can learn to really be that person, to set the picks, to pop when he needs to, to not pop when he needs to, to be able to be there and clear out some space, I think that could be an amazing dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to see that. Uh, but I think the question remains, who's going to set the screens for Damien? <laughs> yes, that's definitely a question that remains. I saw... Rodney Hood shooting some, or uh, not shooting some. I saw Rodney Hood setting some. Mm-hmm. I've seen Damien work really closely with Scout, like them looking at each other and Damien mm-hmm. pointing and like getting him right into the position. I've seen Tolliver set, but um, I haven't really seen the bone crushing, like fall down and take a minute to get up because you just ran into Myers Leonard type situation yeah. yet. Okay. Also, by the way, have you been following Myers Leonard in Miami? Um, I've picked up that he has picked up a new dance move, um, but that's about it. I've not watched him play yet. I feel like um, we Portland was really holding him back from being his whole true self. <laughs> I feel like he was yeah. um, in Portland. He... Um, as a people pleaser, he tried super hard to, uh, to fit into the Portland lifestyle and he, you know, did everything Mm -hmm. that he could to fit into it. But I feel like he's just been freed to be like Coors Light guy and cut off my shirt, cut off my sleeves. Just let me be be the dude on the beach. (laughs) I feel like he's really, um, he's really blossoming into his own down there. (laughs) I'm really excited for him. I'm excited to watch him play and enjoy that beach life. Um, I think if there's any player in the whole league where you're like, who belongs to live on the beach? <laughs> it's Myers Leonard. Like on that Muscle is beach. my first thought. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I guess Muscle Beach is that that's like Venice, California, but I feel like they probably have Muscle Beaches in Miami, too. <laughs> there's got to be one. My, Myers needs to be on Muscle Beach. Um, if if he hasn't, he should start that and he can sell his um the bars that he's selling yeah. at Muscle Beach. That'll Level be great. Bars on, mus- on, on Muscle Beach. Muscle Beach. God Perfect. bless him. Godspeed there, Myers. Oh, Myers. Well, and then one last sort of Myers-Leonard related topic. Okay, I don't even know if the Blazers should try for alley-oops anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've only seen a couple. I have to admit, I haven't watched all of every preseason game so far, but I've seen like three attempts at alley-oops like like looked so far from what an actual yeah. alley-oop is <laughs> that like it's almost like somebody just dis- like wrote down a description of an alley-oop and then crumpled up the paper and like got it all soaked and the ink all ran and then they dried mm-hmm. the paper off and then handed it somebody and said here's a description of the alley-oop and they couldn't read any of it and they were like um okay because <laughs> what they're doing just I know. <laughs> I honestly think someone just needs to be throwing the ball and Anthony needs to be jumping because he can jump so darn high that I don't think that there is a ball he couldn't catch near the rim. And that's the only way I see that working because there have been some wild passes. Um, well, and the closest and- one I saw was actually from Zach Collins. Oh, <laughs> it was like the, the the best attempt I saw. And there could have been some that were actually finished that I didn't actually see. I was like, well, that was kind of 
almost look like an alley-oop. Hopefully it's one of those things that clicks in together once you know each other a little better. Um, but I don't have all that much hope. Yeah, I just I really thought this maybe would be the summer where they practice that. But I guess it does. You know, they're all just they're trying. Honestly, we need to, them to get a few other things ironed out before they uh, they go too far, spending too much time practicing their alley oops. Because I mean, we've already had one nutmeg pass, which was awesome. Which was phenomenal. Let's just replace alley oops with more nutmegs because that was grand. Yeah. That was everything. I love it. While all the other teams are alley ooping, we're going nutmegs. Yep. So, okay, I can get behind that. Okay. We'll just keep our fingers crossed. This is the year of nutmegs. <laughs> well, there's a couple more preseason games coming up. And then after that, soon it will be time to cut a few of the Blazers training camp players. So I'm wondering if there are any of them who've caught your heart so far this season. Some of these players who may not be around after uh, the preseason. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm sad to say that I don't think we're going to see Moses Brown continue after this uh, little spurt, but I would be totally fine if we did. Cause he just seems so ex- like so happy and excited, and I don't know. But I think uh, Keljen Blevins is one of the other ones that has kind of caught my eye, and he is Damian Lillard's cousin. Uh, so I think that is a fun dynamic, and uh, I don't think we've seen too much from him, uh, but I think that it is a fun storyline for sure to have someone like Dame's cousin come in uh, I know Dame has went and saw him play uh, at uh, Montana State last year and sat like front court, and everybody was he was turning eyes because everyone's like, "What is he doing here?" Um, but I think that he's a player that's pretty determined to better himself, and I think as sad as I think it's going to be because I do not think we're going to see him the rest of the season. It's been fun to kind of see him out there a little bit. Yeah, maybe he'll get picked up by somebody or maybe somebody overseas will find him. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Um, you're Back to Moses Brown, too. Yeah, he just, something about him is just really fun to watch. I mean, you can always mm-hmm. tell it's preseason because that's when I start, like, Photoshopping players into my family photos. <laughs> I was like, okay, here's Scal and um, and Moses as a part of my family. Um, but one of the things that I like to do is uh, learn a little bit about these players and give them a little shine before their time is up so, you know, we can introduce them a little bit to the uh, to the listeners. So I did a little research about Moses. Um, so his name, his full name is Moses Sharif Lamar Brown. He grew up in New York, New York. So he's one of those guys who uh, comes from the city. I think he grew up in Queens in New York. His birthday was October 13th, just had a birthday, just turned 20 years old. And he is listed at 71245. I mean, who knows if that's the official one? I mean, it's just all who knows. The heights are madness. I don't know how tall anyone is anymore. I know. Um, And I also – I did read one article about him that talked about how when he was a freshman in high school, he was six foot eight. And then he grew uh, six inches and he put on 100 pounds. And I was like, hold up. That seems slightly (laughs) exaggerated. Um, But one of the things that they did talk about him in high school is that he, like, grew a ton. He did grow a ton. But I'm just like, Mm -hmm. 100 pounds? Really? I just – that seems like a lot to put on in a year. 
Um, but he went to Archbishop Malloy High School, which is the same school that NBA player Kenny Anderson went to. And for one year, he was paired, paired up with Cole Anthony, who's Greg Anthony's son. And the two of them were rated by Slam Magazine as the most exciting duo in high school basketball. So oh. they kind of made their mark, and that's kind of how he got known. Um, he uh, Moses played for UCLA for one year. And in his debut for UCLA, he scored 19 and had 17 rebounds. He loves, loves rebounding. And his one year at UCLA, he led the Pac-12 in offensive rebounds. Um, and in college, he shot 35% from the free throw line. So not great at free throws either. <laughs> He's shooting the same percentage as CJ for the uh, preseason. For the preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Moses played with Houston in summer league. He played one game for two minutes and had three points. So his per 36 numbers are awesome. And he shot 100%. <laughs> Made 100% of the, shot, percent of the shots he took. Of the shots he took. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think he's super fun to watch. And I think, I think anytime you see someone who's seven, one, you're like, you could probably do this. Um, but I know that's not necessarily the case, but I think I would love to see him get picked up by anyone. Cause I just, he's a player that I want to see play. Yeah, for sure. He, he's one of those players that just seems to love being in the game. So I don't know. I mean, the Blazers have one, they have one roster spot and I believe they have one roster spot and one two way spot. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that neither Kelgen Belevins or Moses Brown is going to get them. But you know what? You never know. You never know how valuable they are to the team because we yeah. don't get to see those practices. That is very true. Um, and I think there's so much to be said about the practice element of it all. Cause someone can be the perfect person to like play or to run a certain drill with someone to help them develop and, to help them. And, you know, when people are willing to learn and excited about it, I think that speaks volumes to how you're going to do in a practice setting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have two, was it two more preseason games? Three more preseason games. Nice. No, two more preseason games against our old friends, Utah and Denver. Oh, goody. (laughs) Which will be really interesting because people are just so over the moon about Utah and about Denver. And Mm -hmm. although it's preseason and that's not really going to tell us anything, I just think it's super interesting that uh, those two are um, teams that people are just over the moon about. And I'm actually as tired as I are. I'm already pretty tired of Denver because we have to play them so much. Yeah. At the same time, I'm a little defensive on their behalf because I think people who are just like rocketing Utah right up at the top are not paying attention to the versatility of Denver and particularly of Jokic. So. Oh, absolutely. Even though I'm tired of him, I think that uh, he has a lot to give. And if people are, I just, I just, I'm not ready to just um, boost Utah over them that Mm -hmm. fast. Yeah, it's going to be a wild ride in the West this year. Yeah. Um, and lucky Blazers, they get to see Utah and Denver right in a row on preseason. Back-to-back in preseason, that's really I weird. I know. Who does a back-to-back in preseason? Gosh, that is strange. Well, yeah. at least it's on the road, I guess. 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but Dame does love playing in Utah, so yeah. hopefully that'll be a fun game. And preseason, I'm sure that they can get a lot of Weber State kids over there. So that could be a fun, fun game to watch. Yeah. Well, I'd say we should probably wrap it up here. Oh, you know what? I did have – I have a, a song that I want to add to our 2020 playlist. Awesome. Um, I want to add the song by Taylor Swift, 22. Um. <laughs> Because I'm super excited for Zach Collins to turn 22 and put this whole year 21 behind thing behind him. Because um, <laughs> last year we saw him after his 21st birthday. Things got a little rough on the court. I don't know why. It just was probably pure coincidence. But I think he's going to have a, a, a much better year and a more consistent year. And like I, I have seen – so there's – some people have been talking about Zach Collins, you know, still not being able to move guys off the block, especially on offense. And, you know, he should be able to do that better. I don't have a problem if he's not ready to do that yet, as long as his defense is really good and his mid range shooting stays really good. I don't know what my definitions of really good are, <laughs> but I feel like his, his defense um, has not, you know, that has not gone away at all. And I think he's added this mid-range shot. And if it takes him a while and he's not a giant guy, he's tall, but he's not super broad. If mm -hmm. it takes him a while to move those guys off the block, I'm I'm not that I'm just not that upset about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think he needs to uh, improve on the most? Or what do you think, uh, a, you know, a, a really successful year for Zach Collins looks like? Oh, wow. Um, I think um, I want him to look like when he's on that court. I want it to be like 95% of the time when he's on the court, it looks like he knows what he's doing. Even if he doesn't know what he's doing, mm -hmm. I want him to look like that confident player. Because when he has that confidence down, he just seems like he's so ready to uh, take his game to the next level. And so I think if we can just see him be absolutely confident on the court and looking like he knows where those passes are coming from, or he knows where his teammates are supposed to be. I mean, at this point, he's one of the more senior members of this team, Whoa. like not, not like veteran status, but like been on the team the longest. So he knows this playbook and he knows it better than a lot of the rest of the team. And so I think having that leadership role of saying, you know, no, I do know where I'm supposed to be and let me help you guide these other players who, you know, are still catching up on the playbook. I think that could be a very powerful experience for him. And I think that we could see is that Collins that's even more just like more Zach Collins. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a great point. I had not realized that like as a third year player on the team, he's one of the longest mm -hmm. tenures guide on the on the team now. And when it comes to big men, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, he may be in there setting those screens for Damien. And even though he might not be as big as uh, Myers, he got called on a lot of moving screens last year. And I can see him cutting down on mm -hmm. that greatly. Oh, yeah. A lot of that is just like paying really close attention all the way through. And that comes a lot of that comes with maturity. So if he can cut down on the illegal screens and provide a little bit of that usefulness mm -hmm. for Damien, um, I think if he continues to move on defense and I've not seen a ton of crashing into each other under the basket. That's one thing I noticed with him and Whiteside. 
they see they are not yet at least really fighting for the same ball. It seems mm-hmm. to me like if if Hassan is right there at the rim, Zach is somewhere else. It seems like they're not taking up the same space, which is nice because yeah. even when he and Ed were like really in sync, they still tried to take up a lot of the same space. Yeah. And so that maybe this is some more maturity that we can see from Zach in the like mm-hmm. paying attention to where your teammate is. So you're not taking over that space. You're going and filling in another role. Yeah. So if he could just get like maybe one less ridiculous foul call a game, that would be a success for me too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, a, a, it's a pretty common refrain for people to be talking about Zach Collins, not just fouling his way out of everything. Mm-hmm. And like numbers wise, he doesn't get that many more fouls than like Nurkic did. Um, I know, but they're just quick. I know. Well, and also like I went and I watched every one of Zach Collins's fouls last year. Um, (laughs) And like when Nurkic fouled somebody, I think a lot of them felt it the next day. Like (laughs) it was like a like, oh, I'm coming in and you're going to hurt from this foul. Um, And a lot of Zach Collins's, I mean, I don't know it a lot, but maybe like 10 of them or whatever were him like um, running back on. Let's see. Running, running on offense and like looking behind him and running into somebody who was there. And so getting called for a charge because he literally just ran into him because he was looking the other direction. So if you can cut down on those, that would be great. A little more awareness. It'll be great. That I have be, faith. That would be great. So we're gonna. I'm gonna add Taylor Swift 22 to the playlist. So people should go check out our playlist. You should tell us if you have any uh, songs to add to the playlist. We can add them. We've had a few suggestions, and it's awesome. So I will go ahead and tweet that again, so people can enjoy it and and add it. Um, Cassidy, you got anything else we should we should cover tonight? I don't think so. I think we're good. All right. Well, then that's going to do it for this week's Hoops and Talks podcast. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoops and Talks. Subscribe to the show in the Blazers Edge podcast feed on whatever platform you use to get your podcast. Uh, We love your email. So send us an email with your icebreaker ideas, questions, or whatever you want us to know, especially your playlist additions. And soup recipes for people who have colds soup recipes get them to me i have been eating nothing but soup for five days um our email is hoopsandtalks at gmail.com and you can find me on twitter at cassidy gamut tara how can everybody find you you can find me on twitter at tcb bigs and uh i think that's about it for this week we will talk to you later thanks for listening